So uh, I want to start off with um, four quick stories. Don't worry, they'll be very quick because, you know, with me they could be longer. So the first is this past week has been quite a hectic one in terms of travel. So we obviously had Men's Advance, Simon Gilbo is here. Um, I hope those who were here on Thursday night were really encouraged. And then... um, a friend of mine wasn't able to come back from uh, England when he was supposed to, so I ended up heading down to Bulawayo to help on a mission trip down there. And at the same time, like the family was just manned down. So Sarah and the girls manned down uh, as they are now, so I think they attempted about five minutes of church and they're back home in bed. But uh, I, I know the Lord's going to hook it for them. So it, it was just a killer week. And the, the thing that was amazing to me is that while I was on um, the men's advance, and while I was down at Falcon, um, I just had this immense sense of, I'm really excited where I am, and I'm so excited about what God's doing, but I so want to be with my family while they aren't doing well, and I so want to be close to them, and Lord, please heal them and do stuff, and at the same time, Sarah was doing the same. She was like, I can't wait to see what Simon's, you know, what the Lord has through Simon on camp, and well done for going down to Falcon, Um, and she was praying for me and those sorts of things, but at the same time going, Lord, um, (laughs) you know, we want to be together and stuff, and in that moment, I was just like, Lord, it's it's so special in a, in a marriage context when, when you have that sort of closeness regardless of geography, regardless of what you're going through. First story. Second one, uh, I did men's advance, came back on the Sunday afternoon, and then I sort of had an afternoon with the family until... I headed then down to Falcon early on Monday morning. So I'd been playing with Layla and Erin in the garden, and it was sort of at a finished bath time. It was almost time for Layla to go to sleep. And uh, she's like, Daddy, I want to lie on your tummy. So <laughs> anyway, I'm lying down, and half the time we sit there, and then she like plonks herself her back on top of me as well. And then she just lifts up her shirt, and she's just like, tickle me. So uh, this is um, <laughs> that's what she does. And then if I don't tickle her like right on her tummy for long enough, she puts out her hands, and she's like, tickle my hands. And then we just go through this whole scenario of like tickle my feet and but while we were doing that while we were doing that I was just like Layla I'm just so happy that I get to be with you and it was so nice to play in the garden and I, I just love being your dad and she's just going like mm-hmm mm-hmm then I was like I, I think we should just pray for a little bit and she's like mm-hmm so we like prayed for a bit and she's like um yeah um yeah and then we liked it um and it was just one of those moments where you're just like oh my goodness I, I can't I can't imagine loving a little thing this much um, and then I was Erin uh, we were putting her to sleep later it was the same thing and it, it was just it was just amazing amazing experience early on this year third story see they are quick ones uh, I was down at my brother's wedding and uh, it was this year hey it was <laughs> Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter, those sorts of dates, things. And uh, I, I was privileged enough to be best man, and I was giving the speech. And I was just talking about his life and what God was doing in his life and what he has done. And, and, and I was almost overcome, you know, sort of tears to my eyes, and we gave each other this hug. But as I was sharing, I was just filled with this pride and this, I'm just so happy that this is my brother, and I can't wait to see what God does. It was sort of just flowing out of me. I was just so incredibly um, excited to be able to, to have him as my brother. And then rewind even more years ago, um, I remember heading to, university for the first time and I, I was going to the states and I remember packing the day before like half in tears like I want to go but I don't I want to stay at home with mom and dad and uh, I remember at the airport like just in floods of tears I think all of us were crying and we were but it, it was one of those moments of like I'm so happy we're crying because that's how close we are um, but at the same time like oh my goodness I don't want to leave and it was just an incredibly special time and in fact it was probably every time I went back to varsity <laughs> over the four years there was loads of tears at least on my part so four stories to show how powerful family is there's immense power in earthly family huge power immense power family relationships have the power to bring far more emotion 
than I would say any other family or any other relationship you can have. Power to bring great emotion, joy, excitement, love, but also grief, pain, sorrow, because there's so much power in that bond that when we hurt each other, when tough things happen, there's either great joy on one side or there's great sorrow as well at the same time. So it's an incredible blessing to be part of a loving, caring, earthly family, but equally there can be huge pain related to not having an earthly family any longer due to loss or being part of a dysfunctional family or not actually knowing who your birth parents are. So on one hand, family brings great joy and there's great excitement and it's such a privilege to be part of a family. On the other hand, there can also be that sorrow and that hardship and these two happen in tension. And so as we talk about family as one of the big five, one of the key values we want to have at Harvest, yes, we're talking nuclear close-knit family, but more importantly, we're talking the body of Christ that we get to be part of as we become sons of God. And for us best to understand it, how family dynamics should work, how church dynamics should work, the best place to start is obviously the Bible, God's Word. So I'd love us to turn to John 1, verses 1 to 13. If you, it won't come up there, but if you don't have a Bible, please share with someone next to you. Otherwise, I will read slowly from that. So John 1, verses 1 to 13. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, around there, and you'll be getting close. Page 887 in my bubble. Great, and this is what it says. It says, In the beginning was the Word. This is talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is um, uh, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about that light. So there was obviously John the Baptist, and he was baptizing people, and he was preaching, um, and he was sharing with people, and he was saying, there's one coming greater than me. I can't even untie his sandals. That's how hardcore this guy is. He was talking about Jesus. Verse 9, the true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is talking about Jesus first coming to the Jewish people, grafted, you know, grafted in, and uh, many rejected him. He came to his own, and they didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. First thing I get from this passage, God is all about family. And you might go, well, what does that have to really do about it in what we've just read? Well, the first three verses actually come speak about something really important in our belief set as Christ followers, something called the Trinity. Now, you won't actually find the Trinity if you look for the Word in the Bible, but what it talks about is one God interacting in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equally God, but also separate and distinct. And that should blow our minds a little bit. It blows mine a bit, and that's healthy, that's okay, and it's backed up biblically. So a bit later on in the Gospels, you see the part when Jesus is baptized, and what happens in that 
in that place there. You've got God the Son, Jesus. You've got the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove. They're at the same time distinct. You've got God the Father speaking audibly from heaven that everyone around here is saying, this is my son whom I'm pleased with. But then later on, you've got Jesus saying, I and the Father are one. In Genesis, you've got God saying things like, let us make man in our image. One God, but sort of calling himself multiple. Um, And so what's interesting is, is in the Godhead, you see this perfect family relationship. One God, but as they interact, Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, you see perfect love, you see perfect unity, you see perfect submission in the Godhead. And so where does this come in here? In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, was with God, the Word was God. So this is backing it up. This is really backing it up. And it's really important that we actually understand this because this is one of the key things that, for instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses would come to attack. So if ever you were having a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness, I've had a number, and, uh, and it's always interesting, and you have to come from a point of love, sharing the truth. But this is the first one, because Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe Jesus was God. So they believe that it's Jesus as a son of God, plus doing stuff, that gets you happy, or gets you happy, gets you into a place of acceptance with God, which obviously as Christ follows, we're like, it's only Jesus. Nothing we do, nothing we can ever do can earn acceptance, it's only Jesus. But interestingly enough, in the New World Translation, the, I think it's called that, the Jehovah's Witness Bible, it's changed. And Charles Taze Russell, who wrote it in the 1900s without any backup, just himself, who founded the Jehovah's Witnesses, he said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and then to back up his own beliefs personally, he said, and the Word was, and he inserted something very small. A. He inserted it himself. So he inserted a God to back up his belief set. Now, if you ever happen to have a conversation, this isn't a side, but it's important, with Jehovah's Witnesses, you actually don't even need to fight. You just need to go to verse three. So what you do is, it says that the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. So obviously, the, you know, they could say, well, yes, but he still could have been created. Look at this, verse three. And this is unchanged in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, unchanged. All things were made through him, Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made, i.e., he couldn't have been made because he was the maker. And actually what's incredible is, is you don't have to go any further. It actually backs up all our beliefs and it backs up the Trinity. It backs up Jesus being God and being the one true creator without leaving the passage, looking a few verses down. And, uh, and, and I do pray for Jehovah's Witnesses a lot. Every time they come around, I really pray and say, Lord, please open their eyes. Um, open their eyes to the truth. And the reason why I wanted to share with you is so encouraging it, or it's so important that we know what we believe. It's so important that as Christ follows, we know and understand the truth and we understand our word. We know what to believe so we can defend it. So we don't get crashed around with the waves. And the reason why I share that is because it's trying to destroy family in the real sense of the Trinity. We need to know it. That was a short aside. Um, Keep praying. I want to see Jehovah's Witnesses come to faith in Jesus Christ. So back to the family discussion. If we want to know how earthly family should operate, we look at God. Because if you look at the way that Jesus speaks of the Father, the Father speaks of Jesus, if you look at the way that the Holy Spirit is involved, it's perfect. And if you're wondering, how do I operate with my husband or my wife? How do I operate with my kids? How do I operate with grandparents? How do I operate in that scenario? Look no further than how God operates. Look no further. It will give you the answers. It says Jesus is life 
a bit further, and he's the light of men. Darkness will not overcome Jesus. And if we really believe that Jesus comes to bring us life, and if he comes to shine in the darkness, if he comes to direct the way, if he comes to bring truth, then we really need to seriously look at how he operates for us to operate in a family context the right and correct way. And as Christ follows, we need to do everything we can to ensure that our earthly family relationships look like Christ because it's a massive way to show people that Jesus is alive. Our marriage relationship is supposed to reflect Jesus and his church. The way that we love unconditionally in our family, the way that we care for our kids, the way we care for extended family should be a way that people who don't know Jesus look in and go, there's something different about that family and I want to know what it is something different and I want to know what it is yes our relationships will never be perfect we'll let each other down but as long as it depends on you in your family relationship do it like Jesus would do it you can't always make someone else operate the way you want them to you can't make a husband or wife or a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter or extended family operate how you want them to operate but as long as it depends on you you can operate the way Jesus wants you to operate and then you leave the rest to Jesus. But make sure that you continue to operate and live out the way that Jesus calls you to. Maybe you feel that you've tried to restore things. Maybe you're sitting here today and there's a brokenness in a family relationship. Maybe there's a real genuine brokenness. And it's caused because there's been hurt. Maybe it's been caused because someone in the family has done something terrible to you or to someone that you love. I want to pray for us at the end of the service and, and we'll do that. But the most important thing is, is that you ask God to help you to forgive, but most importantly, to help you live the way that you're supposed to live and leave the rest up to him. Okay, so it's a little bit on earthly family. We're going to get on to great as we go. The next thing, and this is where it goes into, and I want to pick it up from verse 9, because the other part is talking about John the Baptist shining Jesus. And this is what it says. So firstly, we get what family is about through God and the way he operates in the Trinity. Next one. The true light, verse 9, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Look at three interesting words that you can pick up from that passage. Coming into the world. He came to his own. And he was in the world. So those three things. And what's interesting is that's obviously talking about Jesus coming into our world. And this is really important to get. Because God is the perfect family. If you want to look at it like that. One God interacting with three persons. But if you want to look at it, God absolutely satisfied in himself. No need for anyone else. But he didn't leave it like that. He stepped in to our world. He came. He was in our world to reach out and bring others into his family. He didn't stay in his own little nucleus, which he could have done, but he actually said, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out, I'm going to get into the muck, I'm going to get into the mess, I'm going to get into the dirt of my own people who are probably going to reject me, people who don't misunderstand me, I'm going to get into the muck and I'm going to call people to be part of myself. I'm going to graft them, I'm going to bring them into my family. 
He longs to have us brought into his family and adopted as sons and daughters. And this is huge as Christ follows because one thing that can happen as Christ follows is there's a tendency, not always, but sometimes, for our nuclear immediate family to become all-consuming and we, and we pray about it and we're like, Lord, I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best wife. I want my kids to grow up to serve you. And you know, I want to look after moms and dads to such an extent that we become so close then and we build these walls around our lives that our family is it. And it becomes more important to us than Jesus. It becomes more important to us than the call that he has on our lives to bring in others into the family. And it can happen. And it can happen subtly because our husband and wife should be hugely important to us. Our kids should be hugely important to us, but never as important as Jesus. Because you can never be Jesus to your wife. You can never be Jesus to your husband. You can never be Jesus to your kids. Only he can. So yes, we want to be Jesus to each other and we want to be close and we want to live like Jesus lived. But we need to understand that actually there's one who's even more important than that. That's Jesus. And we need to ask him to help us run our nuclear family properly. But ultimately, we also need to catch his picture that there's, there's, not, there's a lot more than our nuclear family that's important. There's a lot more at stake. There's a whole family of brothers and sisters in Christ that he wants to see brought in. Jesus was completely secure in his heavenly family but he didn't leave it at that. He came into our world to bring us into his family. And as nuclear families and as the harvest family, we're talking about what we value this morning. We need to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. Our homes and lives need to be a place that we branch out and invite others into. Because that's what Jesus did. He branched out of the comfort of his world, of his heavenly kingdom, somewhere else and brought people into his kingdom. We need to, our homes need to be places where we invite others in our family and beyond, our harvest family and beyond, who are left out, who are on the edge, who are lacking earthly family. And we say, come, be part of us. Be part of us. It's not just about us. It's about you and the greater family. And I want to challenge each of us today, myself included, to ask the question of whether our earthly family has just become a little bit too important to us to such an extent that we don't have time or space for the larger family? A tough question for us to ask ourselves, but an important question to ask us. How often do you spend time with people outside of your family? How often do you welcome people into your home outside of your family? If you feel you need to work on this area, in fact, let's just ask the Lord now. Uh, Lord Jesus, I know this is, this is a thing for me and, and probably many as well. Lord, thank you for earthly families. Thank you for the blessing and the privilege of being part of loving, caring earthly families. But I ask that right now, Lord, you would give us a picture of you where you were in the perfect family. You are in the perfect family. You stepped into our world and you brought others in. And I ask that as we look at this value of family at harvest, that that's what we would be about. We would be about looking outwards and bringing people in. That we would be about looking for those left out on the edge without earthly family. And we would be saying, Lord, please help us to, to build family, to build community, to welcome others into our space, that we really truly would be the family of God at harvest. Please help us in that, Lord. As a church, Lord, please help us to be known 
as a church that really is family. It's easy to say it. It's easy to say we're a family of God. It's harder to live it. Please help us, Lord. Amen. So question. So Craig, are you saying that we shouldn't do anything alone with our earthly families? <laughs> Not at all. The family unit is massively important. So firstly, your marriage, then children, then brothers and sisters, parents. Obviously, they should be a priority. Our family is a unit that God wants to use to bring glory, his glory and fame on earth. So the family unit is important. Don't get me wrong in that. It should be a priority. And it should be a priority in the first two, marriage and then children. It's really easy for kids to become so consuming in our lives that we actually forget about the priority. What's ultimate for our kids to see is a strong marriage. Before they see us dedicating everything to them, the first thing they need to see is that actually our priority is each other as husband and wife, and that's the best place for them to be in. That's it. Mom and dad, I thought you'd be happy with that. <laughs> so we need to get the order right. That's always going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge when we care about our kids and when there's sport and there's life and we want to see them flourishing. But what is most important for them is to see, firstly, that Jesus is our priority about everything else. And secondly, that they are not the first priority, that mom and dad are each other's first priority. Best place for them to be. Safest place for them to be. Is that biblical? I just want to make sure. Okay, good. See, folks have been doing it for a long time, so I, mean, I just want to make sure I'm not saying things out of turn. Great. Um, the way we operate as family should point people to Jesus. Don't worry, guys. I've got like one minute left. You've been very, very good. <laughs> no one's got up and left yet, eh? Perfect. Our spiritual family should be an incredibly powerful bond. And it's so powerful, actually, that it outlasts our earthly family. Think about that. It outlasts our earthly family. So what we have together as brothers and sisters migrates itself into all eternity. When earthly families cease, our spiritual family continues. Mind-blowing. And we need to view our church as family. So if we view our church as family and you're part of a healthy, loving, nuclear family, it will mean that you love being together. Because if you love being together with your earthly family, church should be the same. So Sundays are something you're like, I can't wait because I get to be with my family. I can't wait to be there. I'm not missing it for anything. Because I want to be with my family. Just like when you have your nuclear family and you're like, it's their birthday. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not coming to your birthday. Of course we don't do that if we love our nuclear family. It's the same as church going, I just want to be there on Sunday. Because it's my family. It's my family. We don't miss opportunities to be together because it's family. So Sundays are be there at all cost day because it's a family day. We have to be there as family. Is it okay if we take a break once in a while? Of course. Go on holiday. Enjoy. But it should be priority to us which it is to many, many of us. I want to say well done for that. Well done for that. My heart breaks when there's opportunities to be together as a spiritual family and we're like, nah, got better things to do. I'm like, guys, we just don't get it. We don't get that in Jesus. We're family. We're family and we get to be together. We get to grow. We get to sharpen each other. And the only way to sharpen each other is to annoy each other. You know, it's those prayers you should never ask God, Lord, please give me patience. It's going to be the worst day you're ever going to have. <laughs> it's going to be the worst. Bank queues get annoyed with policemen. It's going to be a terrible day. Lord, please, I want to be a more loving person. Pff, horrific day. Why? Because God knows the only way for us to improve is to rub shoulders with each other, to understand we've all got mess, but we love each other in the mess. And that's what church is all about. That's the beauty of it. So as I close, what should our perspective and heart be towards our church family? 
We should be looking for those left out in need of a friendship. We should, look, we should be looking for those struggling in life that we can come alongside and support. We should look for the best in each other rather than focusing in, on each other's weaknesses. If Jesus did that, we would be in a rough spot. If he focused on our weaknesses instead of our strengths, <laughs> we would be in a terrible place. We should grieve with brothers and sisters in our body who are grieving. We should celebrate with brothers and sisters who have reason to celebrate. We should be aware that certain family dates are hard for people without, without earthly family. Christmas, birthdays, those are tough if you don't have earthly family. My folks have always been amazing on Christmas at inviting people around and people who aren't really, you know, don't really have anyone on Christmas saying, pull in. Yes, it's about our family, but you're part of the family. I know it's something Dave and Chrissy were amazing at. They always had people on Christmas Day at their house who, who didn't have earthly family and they're like, yes, it's our family day, but you know what? It's better that you feel part of our family on this day. They're amazing at it and that builds friendship and that builds joy. There are many other things I could encourage us to do, but the bottom line is, is if we're wanting to be like Christ as a church and as people, we want to start to line up our lives with him, and that will be, mean that we'll start to become the most loving, friendly, full of joy people that there is. It's an inevitable result. So we spend time with Jesus, we overflow in joy. We overflow in love. We overflow in sacrifice because we understand what he did for us. Lastly, Verse 12 and 13, and then I'll pray. This is particularly important for those who maybe don't feel as part of an earthly family, but it's just as key. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, and blood speaks of descent. There's so much value placed on, on descent, and particularly in Old Testament, but bloodlines, where you came from, where, where you were from, what type of family you're part of, whether they were wealthy, whether they're a well-to-do family. We don't need any of that to become Christ followers. We don't need to be important in the world's eyes. So it doesn't depend on blood, nor the will of the flesh. You may be here and think, well, my parents didn't really want me. They had sex, and I was just a mistake. They didn't really care about me. They didn't really want me. Your right in becoming a child of God is not dependent on how you came into this world or on, or on how you've been cared for in it. It's not based on the flesh. It's based on a change he does spiritually. Then lastly, the will of man. You don't get into God's family by your own personal strengths, by your own abilities, by the name that you've made on the earth. God couldn't care less about that. Your value is based on what he thinks of you. Not on your will, not on trying to do things to earn his family. It's based on receiving and believing. Yeah. That's it. We receive and we believe and we get to be part of his family. We get to be his kids now and for all eternity. And we get to demonstrate that as a harvest family and as a nuclear family to all around. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you just for these three things as we close that you've shown us from Scripture. Firstly, thank you that you are the best example of how to operate in family. Thank you that you love unconditionally. Thank you that there's healthy submission. Thank you that um, you, you demonstrate to us in the Godhead and in how you operate and care for us, how to operate and care in our earthly families. Secondly, Lord, thank you that you came you could have stayed up in your own perfect environment, but for us, you came. 
into the muck and into the mess and into people who didn't necessarily like you and people who frustrated you, you came because you loved us and you wanted us to be part of your family. And I ask in a small way, Jesus, you would help us to do that as a church. In a small way, we'll be known as family. We'll be known as a church that's always looking outwards and we're wanting to bring people in. That we would be the most loving, full of joy, out there, sacrificial people. Why? Not in our own strength, but because we're blown away that you came into our world, we want to show other people the same. And lastly, Lord, if there's any of us here who's struggling with identity, who's struggling with what it means to be loved, with what it means to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. I thank you, Jesus, that it doesn't rely on our descent, it doesn't rely on our wealth brackets, it doesn't rely on our geographic locations that we came from. Thank you that it doesn't rely on... Um, on, on decisions that we feel parents made wrongly or how we came into the world or how we were cared for in it. And it doesn't rely on our doing stuff, on our will. Thank you, Jesus, that us becoming your kids and being part of your family relies on receiving what you did for us on the cross, believing that you died and rose again. It all relies on you. It doesn't rely on us and then we get to be part of your family. If there's any of you, just as I close, I'd love you to, to, to maybe, you can either come to the front afterwards, but you can even raise your hand now. I wanna pray for you. But we're gonna have a prayer team here afterwards. If your earthly family relationships are not as they should be, nuclear extended, if you know that they're not where they should be, if you know there's a divide God can heal that today. He can heal that and he can restore that today in this moment. And all it takes is you saying, Lord Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I'm open to it if it happens to be me causing the problem. So show me if it's me. But if I, if, if I don't believe it's me at all, Lord Jesus, please intervene. Please give me wisdom. Please give me unconditional love. Please give me the ability to forgive. Because God, I know your heart is to forgive. I know your heart is to love. And I want to be that on earth. So Lord, I ask that right now in, the, in, 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 in your, your midst with us all here together, that you'd start to restore. That you'd flood this place with forgiveness. So that we can forgive. You would flood it with love. Maybe there's been hardship or hurt that you've held on to for years. God wants to break it today. Maybe there's been hurt and something that's been done to you by a family member for years. He wants to break it today. Lord Jesus, please restore today. Restore family relationships today by the power of your name and yours alone. In your name we pray. Amen.